to the Perusia podcast. I'm Shabal Raish, uh, your host, and uh, we are here uh, live right now um, in the studio, Voice of Charity Studios. And uh, those who are based in Sydney, uh, welcome. Uh, 17.01 a.m. if you're listening in your cars driving around to work today. Um, those around the world, you might be watching the live stream. We are on Facebook, Voice of Charity, the EWTN Asia Pacific page. Welcome to those in the Philippines and around the Asia Pacific region. And of course, uh, on the Perusia uh, Facebook page as well. Um, also, you, you'll probably be seeing this um, on our website, so perusiamedia.com, and there are blog posts on Perusia Podcast with all of our shows. And uh, please make sure you subscribe and you can get up to date with all the latest shows. They're completely free. Uh, we've got the blog posts as well as the podcasts happening as well. Um, one little quick announcement is in, in, a, in a couple of weeks, so end of May, um, and I'll just get this announcement, I'll say it again at the end, but Perusia Academy is about to be launched. Uh, the Perusia Academy is a very exciting initiative we've been working on, and I'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks. But uh, we have lecturers like, if you've heard of Scott Hart, Dr. Ed Shree, um, you've heard of uh, Christopher West, you've heard of John Bergsma, um, uh, the Liturgical Institute, uh, Father Rob Spitzer, then our very own Dr. Robert Haddad, Paul Morrissey, Andrew Wood, uh, Christine Wood, and all these great professors. Uh, we're bringing together online an academy that will teach you philosophy, theology, scripture, apologetics, church history, all these great uh, um, topics, uh, faith and science, on, on liturgy, introduction to liturgy, all these other great courses, theology of the body, and, and the list goes on. Um, and that we're very excited about that, so stay tuned. Our website, go to our website, perusiamedia.com to know more. You'll see a banner, uh, Perusia Academy, and uh, we have a launch at the end of the month. So please pray for that, and I encourage you to, to learn more about that. Our guest today, we're very excited. We um, uh, uh, have a book launch we're going to be talking about, a brand new book, A New Heart. Um, the author of this book, none other than Shauna Arnold from Canada, and it is an amazing story. Um, the story of, of her addiction to drugs, um, an abortion she had, um, and her conversion story. We're going to dive in. It's going to be a bit of a, a roller coaster right now. I hope you're ready to hear a powerful story of God's mercy in this person's life. Shauna, we've, we've got to know Shauna over the last six months um, through our virtual pilgrimages, also through Lighthouse Catholic Media. There's a CD called... Um, a New Heart, and it's a beautiful uh, CD. I encourage you to um, get that. It was one of our CD of the months uh, last year. And uh, we're going to talk to her right now. So she joins me live from Canada. Hello, Shauna. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on your program today. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. Uh, I want to uh, look, congratulations to, to this point where you've put your story in, in print form so the world can experience what you've been through and, and at least learn about, about your life and God's grace in your life. And uh, we're very excited about this second version of your book because in this version, you've got um, an added section of reflections and prayers, which we'll talk about a bit later, but they're, they're so powerful, um, very short, sharp um, reflections. People can read one a day if they like, but they're, they're beautifully written. And we're very excited to partner with you in publishing this, uh, A New Heart, My Story of Abortion, Addiction and Conversion. I'm, I'm loving this. It's, I'm, I'm reading through it now. And it's a very, very, um, uh, when I, I was about to say an easy read, but easy read meaning uh, it's not difficult, uh, not complex, but it is, it's a difficult read in the sense that to go through what you've been through um, and journeying with you. But it is such a powerful book. And I want to congratulate you uh, on this um, it's the second version. So thank you for opening up and, and uh, 
and how how are you going and uh, and and how how are things going just generally uh, with your I guess your work especially during COVID. Well, right now, actually, uh, I'm obviously in Canada. We're not allowed to go into the schools or any of that. Or um, So right now, I've kind of been restricted to, I have not been in a classroom for over a year, which wow. is yeah. really hard, you know, because I, I really enjoyed that time with, with uh, teenagers and having them approach me and, you know, been able to open my heart to them and in person and now it's kind of been closed off so you know i've been just sitting uh um, doing a lot more praying and just keep keep uh, god in the center of my life at this time and and uh and hey look a uh, new book is out so yes. that's that's <laughs> a blessing right here absolutely so i'm hoping now that um this written book can now help many people who feel alone and you know need some hope as well so I'm grateful that for this opportunity as well, you know, God, God might close one door, but he opens another. So, Absolutely. so yeah, it's great. Amen to that. It's funny. Um, we were just talking off air um, earlier about, uh, about yourself. You, you know, you're saying how difficult it is to, to, to sort of uh, just talk in public generally. Um, uh, and you said things about just simple topics like the weather or things like that. But now you're, you're actually being um, sharing around the world your story, which is very intimate, very personal. Um, and uh, vulnerable, you're opening up, um, pouring your, your heart out and, and letting people know what you've gone through. Um, thank you for doing that because I know it's not easy um, and and what we're about to go through now may not be easy for people to even just hear, but I think it's important that they see the power of God in your life and the testimony and the hope that it's going to bring to many people who are actually in the middle of suffering now themselves. And uh, let's... I'm. I'm I'm ready to go in if you're ready uh, to dive in just a little bit about your upbringing. Um, you have different chapters in the book and you start off with your childhood and it was an abusive one. Can, can we start with your upbringing and give people a bit of a background of, your, of what happened? Well, basically the beginning of my upbringing was um, my mother was addicted to prescription pills all my life. Even when I was in the, her womb, she was taking um, prescription medication. I didn't know that was abnormal. Um, growing up, I never knew anything more than that. I just uh, kind of grew up with a mom that had addictions that way. And then my dad, on the other hand, was always working, never around. My dad never ever really gave us love in the home. Like I never was told I love you or was never nurtured the way I should have been nurtured. It was more like, um, you know, I, I, I'm just going to work, get money, you know, just eat, go to bed. You know, it's like we were, I was invisible. Like me and my siblings were almost like we were invisible. I just, it was just an awkward, I don't even know how to describe the way I was raised. It, it just was a chaotic environment that wasn't loving and nurturing. There are time periods where I recall you know, some some forms of love, but it would be in ways of getting a lot of gifts at Christmas or, you know, buying it that way or that sort of thing. But I, I think my mom was trying at times, but she just couldn't do it because she had such bad depression and anxiety and, mm. and just wasn't there. And it was just a unhealthy home, home growing up. How many uh, siblings do you have? 
I have two younger brothers. I'm the oldest. Okay. Okay. Yes. And, um, so you, you describe like you pretty much a, you didn't see your father often, uh, almost like oh, an absent dad um, day to day. But uh, but when you, your mum was around, but she wasn't uh, um, because of her addiction to the prescription drug, uh, your connection with her, uh, relationship with her, um, yeah, what, what was that even like? Um, well, my mom would sleep till long periods of the day, and then she'd pretty much wake up and just sit in bed smoking cigarettes, mm -hmm. you know, just not having any motivation to do anything or get on with her day. Well, we kind of just did whatever in the house as kids, like we would dress ourselves, you know, we would get ourselves ready for school, you know, mm -hmm. we would have to take care of ourselves. I had to take care of myself from a young age already. And then my mom, as in the afternoon would end up going for coffee and then pretty much went to bingo after supper and then wouldn't come home till late at night. And then that's kind of what her routine was all the time. Wow. That was her life and just sitting in her room and then doing what I just said, um, mm -hmm. eventually going to a bingo hall after supper and then going to bed late. And our routine was whatever we did in the day we could do. I could do whatever I wanted most of the time. I, I didn't really have a lot of clear direction. It was kind of a free-for-all. I hate to say that, but it was a free-for-all. And in the midst of all that, my dad would, of course, work long hours and never be around. And then when he'd come around, it would pretty much be he'd go to bed and then get up and go to work again the next day. So it's kind of that pattern um, that developed. But then in the midst of all that was a lot of emotional and mental abuse. Um, I think a lot of it was neglect uh, as well. Obviously, I wasn't um, cared for the way, you know, I care for my children now, you know, I, I wasn't nurtured or, or cared for um, the way I should have been growing up. Yeah, you, you do talk about um, having an so an abusive upbringing. So, uh, yeah, as you're saying, a mental, emotional abuse. Was there any physical abuse as well, or um, were you spared from that? Yeah. Well, my dad, my dad used to um, hit me at mm. times, and I wouldn't say it was a lot, but he would hit me when he'd be upset with my mom, or he'd be upset something else. He would take out his anger on me. Um, later on in life, I was physically abused in my marriage. Um, and it kind of trickled into that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it was more or less a majority of my abuse was mental and emotional. Uh, yeah, a lot of it was basically on those lines. Um, your faith uh, at the time, non-existent uh, growing up or was there faith there? Was it did you go to church at Christmas or what was it like uh, during all this time? Well, I was Catholic because I had my sacraments. Mm -hmm. uh, we would go to church sometimes at Christmas, but not every year. And sometimes at Easter, but not all the time. Um, we didn't go to church at all on Sundays. And the only faith I really got in my younger years was through, I was in a Catholic school, so was through um, my school setting and through the teachers and what I had learned through the school program. So, and also I did have a grandmother who I, I'll never forget. Like she always, she was, she would pray the rosary and I always remember her for having a rosary and 
uh, she had pictures of Jesus in her house and, you know, she had a picture of Mary and I like, that is all really I had uh, of any faith growing up. Yeah. Wow. Okay. In your teenage years, as you grew up, your friends, your social life, can you tell us about, yeah, the friends you hung out with? Because um, you do touch on, you know, basically you you attract who you are and what did that mean as far as friendships concerned in your later teenagers? Well, of course, like I said, and you said, just repeated yep. what I said, it's you attract what you are. So, of course, I attracted friends with similarities in their lives as I did. So if one of my friends was in a single parent home, well, you know, they could relate to me in some ways. They had some hurt there mm. or you know, friends that were getting into smoking, friends that were getting into drinking at an early age, eventually friends that were getting into doing drugs. Um, I just wanted to be around people that had pain in their lives that could relate to me. You know, I, I didn't feel like I deserved to be around um, certain crowds. I felt so ashamed of myself. Um, I felt unworthy, I felt worthless. I felt just a lot of shame for my home life and what I was going home to. And, you know, in all honesty too, I I don't even know how much I even shared to a lot of people. You know, you just keep that all inside because you're embarrassed. You know, it's it's such a deep shame to tell people that. Did did um, your friend yourself, you, now you talked about they were on drugs and yourself um, as a teenager, uh, just if you paint a picture of, you touch on um, an addiction here, um, how serious was your addiction and what what was it exactly? Um, if you can touch on that. Well, I started out drinking alcohol and this might sound really odd to some people, but I was already in middle school and mm-hmm. I would s- steal alcohol from my friend's parents' liquor cabinet or older siblings. And I would drink a bit and then I would drink more and more. And then by high school, I was really into drinking quite a bit. By, by already by grade nine, I was heavy into my drinking. And by grade nine, I started to get into using drugs. And once I got into the drug scene, I was mixing both alcohol and drugs. And it was to the point where addiction was the god of my life. It it, it ruled my emotions. <laughs> you know, it 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 made me act in ways I would have never normally acted if I was sober at all. It just takes you. The minute you open yourself up to any addictions, yes, already when you start to use addictions, of course, well, then the door opens up. Well, there's shame right away, right? As soon as you're using, there's shame. You know, then there's guilt. And then it just keeps going and going. Once you're far enough in, it's like it already has you and it's gripped you. Wow. It's, um, <laughs> this is, uh, I'd like to touch on maybe maybe towards the end, but we can get, look at this later. But this lie we've been told about freedom, where we can do whatever we want, have whatever we want, but if it means that it leads us to addiction, then we're not free, are we? We're, we're actually slaves. No, you're a slave. Yeah. You're a slave. Yeah, it's it's got a it's got a hold on you, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, now, how many years um, did this last? So. Uh, being addicted to the drugs and alcohol. How, how many years we're we talking about? 
Oh gosh. <laughs> I'd say at least a decade, okay. at least a decade yeah. of, of uh, using pretty heavy, at least five years of really ugly using Wow. to the point where that's where I got in all my criminal involvement and did my serve jail time and that sort of thing was in the midst of the heavy using. And that's kind of when my home life was getting even more ugly wow. is in the midst of that heavy, heavy using. Can I where help? I would just want to take my, you know, take these addictions and use them just to numb myself so I didn't have to deal with what was going on at home because it killed me inside too much. And it's not an excuse, but mm -hmm. that's kind of the way I went is I turned to that mm. instead of, you know, in, in the right mind, if I would have had more support, you know, the best thing I should have did was opened up to someone I trusted and talked to them. But I really didn't have that golden outlet. So I didn't know where to turn. Mm -hmm. And you know, too, you, I didn't want to say something to somebody. And then they take my brothers away and my mom. And then my mom hurt herself because another thing was my mom would always threaten to, to harm herself, to physically harm herself. And she would say, if you kids ever are gone or this or that, you know, I'm just going to die, you know, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. And it's like, well, what do you do? Like, I don't want that guilt on my shoulders as well. So it's like, you just sat, I just sat there and, just stuff myself with these addictions because I didn't know which outlet to go to or where to turn or what was the right thing to do. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how you because there's 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 two sides of of how people get into drugs. Some um, for recreational purposes, they want a bit of fun, they want to just enjoy themselves, and there's this peer pressure where it's like, come on, try it with us. And and as a 14, 15 year old, you, you're pushed, right? You you think, oh, you're not cool if you don't join in. And, and some and and there's this facade on the outside. People think they're having a good time, and they they need these drugs to have a good time. Um, yet the way you're describing it is it's almost like the, the reality is deep down there isn't this enjoyment. There isn't this uh, joy that comes from it. It's the opposite. It's a, it's a dark place. And uh, can can you talk about? I mean, the pressure on the outside. It seems to be as though those who are you know, you're drinking and having drugs. It, it, on the outside, there's this this almost mask, if you like, of people acting like they're having fun, and this is what you need to have an adventure or whatever whatever warped uh, reality. I remember being a teenager myself, and and you know, going to parties and things like that, and, and, and drugs were were always on offer. But you're talking about it the way you're talking about it now, um, and is the dark side of it and, and it's important that we, we we see it for the reality of what it is um, do you have any comment here about this this lie that we're being told in the world that you know drugs are a good thing or, or alcohol you should have as much as you want and it really is a lie isn't it uh, that that uh, we need this stuff to enjoy ourselves well definitely well why are you using it if you're so full of happiness and yeah. hope you know why would you even turn to something like that it makes no sense at all and another thing i don't know if it's too early on to tell you this but my mother died of an overdose mm -hmm. so yeah. if drugs are so great why do you die from them you know yes, yes. that eventually will lead you darker and darker and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the pits and then sometimes you don't get out. Sadly, you do not get out. And I thank God I did get out of that pit. You yes. know, yes. I really wish that more people would, would take it seriously what it can do to you. 
and how it can harm you. And it wrecks your brain cells. You're not mm-hmm. in full control of your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're doing things you normally don't do. How does that not put shame into your into your emotional system, right? You know, shame yeah. and guilt, guilt and all that. Like that comes with that, that deep, deep regret, that embarrassment. And then so what do you do? You find out the next day once you sober up, oh, wow, you did these crazy things. So what do you do? Well, you're embarrassed. So what do you do? You go and do it again because you can't face yourself. So you keep getting yourself deeper and deeper. And it's it's quite upsetting for me. Like I, It really hurts me when I see um, people drinking and driving. Even in my town I'm living in now, there's yeah. teenagers that park on the side of the road and they sit there and drink a bunch. And then they drive off in the middle of the night, just revving their engines down the block. Like, what if you kill somebody here? You know, yeah. like, I just, I don't know. It just bothers me so much. Like, I wish I could just sit there and say, you know, listen, this will, this will kill you. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you need to talk to somebody. Why are you even doing this? You know, what's the deeper reason that you've turned the, to this? There's always a deeper root issue of why you're choosing this road. And what is it? You know, it's a good point. There is always a deep issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, in your book, and you talk about it uh, as a 19 year old, uh, you had an uh, unexpected pregnancy uh, and you dealt with it the way you were told to deal with it. Um, can you talk about uh, about that and, and, and that whole experience, how you dealt with your first pregnancy? Well, I, when I ended up becoming pregnant and I went home and I told my mom I was pregnant and she told me I should have an abortion. And, you know, I didn't even know what an abortion was. I had no clue. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just go to the doctor and I'll ask him. And I remember I went to the doctor's office and on the black bed, there's white paper. And I remember him taking out a pen and just drawing a circle and telling me my baby was a pen dog. I don't recall being told at three weeks there was a heartbeat or anything about fetal development. And, you know, I have to admit, because of my addictions, I thought this was the best decision. You know, this was a good decision for me, and and this is something I should do. And I remember then it was, uh, I was given a date as to when I'd have this abortion. So then there's this period of waiting. And it was, I remember one friend saying to me, you know, you should have this abortion. And then the other friend was saying to me, I should have an adoption. Mm. And, you know, in all honesty, the thought of giving my, my own child, my own flesh over to a stranger killed me, which is so, so selfish. And on the other hand as well, I was more concerned because this is what addiction did, the grip it had on me. Yeah. I was more concerned. Can I sober up enough, you know, to keep this child in my womb, you know, I couldn't because addiction, I was craving that next party, you know, that next high, that next drink that I chose abortion because of that, which is so sad. And I remember the day of my abortion, I was dropped off at the hospital and I went in by myself and, you know, in the middle of the hospital, there was an elevator. And I remember going in this elevator and going up and that's it. I completely blocked it all out because it was so traumatic. I, I don't remember nothing. I remember though being in a hospital bed and I remember the nurse giving me a piece of toast and a juice 
And then that was it. I don't, I don't remember anyone telling me any protocol or, or anything that could happen or what to watch for anything. Not that I um, remember. It's just kind of like, okay, you're done now go home. And I remember getting back into the car. My friend came to get me. I went back into the car and in the mirror, I was so pale. I looked like a sheet of paper. I'd lost so much blood and I was so weak, so weak. I just felt so weak and sick. But you know, like I said, talking about shame and guilt, Mm. man, did I feel, oh, did I ever feel like a horrible, wicked, wicked person after that? That was kind of like my, the end of it, man, I'm disgraceful. Look what I just did. I am disgusting. That's the way I looked at myself. I've done it now. I might as well just go and end it all, you know? So I get back home and I get into the harder drugs yet. And wow. I get into even worse crimes because of all this. So that's kind of kind of the road I went down is just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper wow. so, into everything. See, that, that abortion that you had didn't solve any problems. The lie, the lie again um, to women who are encouraged to go and have an abortion, to think that that is uh, the solution. And, 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 and just hearing you there, um, it doesn't sound like it solved anything. Well, is, women are, are made by, by God to nurture and love their children. Mm-hmm. How is that nurturing and loving when I chose to end the life of my child on my own mm-hmm. in my womb? I, I chose that. How can that be nurturing? How can I hold my head up after that and feel, you know, oh, I did the good thing. There's no way. It's a lie. Eventually, there's so many women who have had an abortion that are in need of help and are now coming and seeking help. Thank God. You know, they're recognizing how it hurt them. So if all these women are coming forward, you know, how can you say that's a good thing? Yeah, yeah. It just isn't. You know, how, how, how can you say that? And then it trickles into your future. Well, now my children, now I look back and I think, you know, they're, I'm missing, I'm missing my oldest child right now. You know, they're, they, they could have a brother or sister they don't even know existed. You know, it's just, it just trickles in and trickles in. And, and I had no right to do that. I had no right to cut somebody's life off. Who was I to do that? You know? So, I mean, what a weight of guilt. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Look, we can. Th- th- there's a whole show on this 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 part of your life, but um, uh, it's important that people understand. Yeah, you were 19. It was an unwanted pregnancy, and and you dealt with it the way we're told to deal with it. It typically in today's culture, and it didn't solve your problem. Here's the point, and you're carrying this burden still till today, and this is the this is the part the side that women need to know before going ahead with something like that. Um, you did fall preg- pregnant again. Uh, it was a year later. Um, can you tell us, did you go down the same, tell us about uh, that experience? Well, I got pregnant again and I went and told my mom I was pregnant. And mm-hmm. of course she said again, you should have an abortion. You know, you can't have a child. There's no way you could take care of a child. And you know, I said, no, I'm, I'm keeping this baby. Mm. 
And I remember I quit smoking cigarettes. I quit drinking. I quit the drugs, everything cold turkey. And I remember the, the headaches I had, such bad headaches from withdrawal. But I wanted to have this baby. And like I said previously, when I was three months pregnant, my mother died of an overdose. And I am just, thank God that God's, you know, I never had a miscarriage or anything, you know, by the grace of God, I I was able to carry that child full term, even through all that uh, pain and trauma of losing my mother. And, you know, I'm, and I have to, I have to say, I was so grateful to have a beautiful baby boy. Um, My oldest son now is 24. He's a teacher. He's an elementary school teacher, and I'm very proud of him. And and he is such a compassionate, loving young man. I, I, I'm just so grateful to God for him. Wow. Your yes to life, your yes. To, you, it could have been very different. Um, but uh, look, I, I, I'm sorry to hear about your mother and we will be praying um, as our faith teaches us. You know, we, we're not made for this world. We're made for the next. And we pray that... Uh, um, you know, we pray for the souls of those who have gone before us, and and uh, um, yeah, uh, we'll be we'll be doing that for sure. Um, uh, did that? So you you went ahead with the pregnancy. Now the father of this child, um, of your son, now twenty four. Praise God. Uh, can you tell us you you ended up marrying him? Is that right? Uh, tell us about that next part of your life. Yes, I I ended up marrying him because. He was the father of my child. Um, I wanted this baby. I needed someone to support me. My mom had just died. My dad wasn't in the picture. But you know, the thing is, you'll you'll marry someone, you know, that you are, you'll you'll attract Mm. what you are. And I was still really quite dysfunctional. Look, I look what I came out of. I wasn't put together right. You know, I, I was still coming out of a lot of hurt and trauma and I attracted someone with similar similar life that I had, and I ended up marrying this person in the Catholic Church, not even realizing mm. marriage is sacred. I thought marriage was just a whatever, like a, honestly, a just a whatever joke. Um, my parents were both married and divorced and threw it all away. And really, in all honesty, what do we see nowadays on TV when we watch TV? What are we seeing? Mm. What are young people seeing on TV on every channel? Are you seeing people, you know, cheat? People be with one person, be with somebody else the next day, just mm-hmm. throw them away. There's no, there's no uh, love. Mm-hmm. There's no value. You know, no one respects themselves or, you know, thinks that they're worth anything anymore. It's kind of like a disposable culture, sadly. But, you know, I, mm-hmm. I was trapped in that as well. I married somebody. I ended up... Uh, having this marriage uh, ending in divorce, sadly, in the end, because it was very abusive. It was uh, not a very good environment. And he ended up leaving and I ended up eventually getting an annulment down the road. Okay. So sadly, I, I wasn't even married two years. Well, uh, any other children uh, with... Uh that husband or that, I just uh, had the one child one yeah no, okay. just the one child were you still um did you uh would you still have your addiction though during your your marriage and um or at that time so you were you're still in your early 20s um still fairly young what was happening uh, uh, with your addiction at that time 
I know you went cold turkey during still, the pregnancy. But... I was still dr- drinking yeah, okay. um, at times, you know, drinking and that sort of thing. Uh, keeping a hold on it, you know, let's okay. say. <laughs> keeping a hold on it. Uh, just using uh, marijuana, nothing heavy, mm-hmm. you know, at times. Uh, nothing overly too heavy. And just kind of living that way, you know. Still trying to be... Uh, uh, a good enough mother, but yet not allowing the grip of addiction to, you know, let its hands off me. It was still kind of there. Wow. Let's talk about then the next few, the next part, phase in your life. So um, what next? You're in your early 20s. You've got, um, you've had an annulment. Uh, you've, uh yeah, did you found when did you find your faith? Now, can we talk about that? Uh, how did you discover your faith, um, and what did that do to your life? Uh, can we go there? Sure. Um, right after, pretty much, I was now a single mother. Mm-hmm. I at this point, with everything that went on, losing my mom, now this marriage falling apart, and it was like I was at the point where it was like, you know, there's got to be more to life than what I'm living. Like, there's got to be more to life than this. I can't do this anymore. So I actually ended up going back to school. I ended up going to post-secondary school. I was starting to make some good choices. And then eventually it led me on the road where I thought, you know, I'm going to go to church. I was Catholic. I thought, you know, I'm going to start to go to church now and kind of see what it's like and, and, and get to know God and see if that, you know, what this is all about. And Basically, I ended up eventually on a road where I ended up going to a youth retreat. And a little back up a little before that was I had met these two people God had planted in my life. One was an elderly lady that was like a grandmother to me. And one was a retired priest who had a lot of time on his hands. And God planted these perfect people in my path for me. These just the right people I needed. And I started to open up to them. And eventually that's when I made my way over to this youth retreat and they were having at the parish and I never even knew what a retreat was or any of that. And I thought, well, I'll go to this, you know, I was starting to be open to it. And I ended up, uh, when I went to this retreat, um, I remember at the retreat, the man putting on retreat said, imagine God's before you, he was saying out loud. And and I was standing beside one of my aunt and uncles because they came with me. And, and I actually heard, like it seemed audible. It, it could have been within my heart. But I, I, I just heard a voice say, I'm your father and I love you. And I remember I looked over at my aunt and uncle and I said, I said, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. And I remember my uncle looking at me like, okay. <laughs> you know, he, he probably thought it was <laughs> a little bit nuts. But I heard that. I heard that. And then I was told now, they said, oh, there's supper now in the basement, everybody go downstairs. And I remember going downstairs and like, I couldn't even eat, eat my food. Like, how do you eat food after that? (laughs) I remember even going in the bathroom and telling people God spoke to me. And oh, I was so excited. Like, I couldn't believe this. My heart was starting to open up. And then I was told something called adoration was about to happen and to go back upstairs. And I didn't even know what adoration was. And I was like in my mid twenties, I had no clue what adoration even was. And I remember going back upstairs and, and there's time too. we had confession and, and then it led into adoration. 
And I, and I remember on the pews, there were Kleenex boxes. And I remember thinking to myself, what's with these Kleenex boxes? This must be such an emotional thing. What, what, what is this? And I remember going into where I was going to sit. And I remember that the priest came in with the monstrance and he started saying a bunch of blessings. And I remember I had my, at the time I had my eyes closed and I was praying within my heart. I was praying to God to help me. I was giving everything to God, all my pain, everything, just putting it into his hands. And I asked him to come into my heart. And I felt this love and peace come over me. And it was really strong. And I was starting to cry. And it felt like bubbles were being lifted up out of me. And as they were coming up, I remember just bawling and bawling and bawling. And I had a long sleeve shirt on. And you could wring my sleeves out. I was crying so hard. And you cannot tell me that God isn't real because he touched my heart so deep. I, the way I was crying, it was just like yelping. Like it was just unbearable. I couldn't even control myself. And that's when I realized that God loved me. Amen. That he loved me enough to touch my heart. You know, I want people to know that, that no matter where you've been, that God loves you. He knows what you've been through. He sees the heart. And I want you to know that you are not a shameful person. You are not made to be treated like garbage and that you have worth and that God loves you yes. no matter where you've been. But don't get me wrong. You need to repent and you need to ask for his forgiveness. But I'm telling you, he is there. He is there for you. And I want you to know that. I really feel I need to say that. Because yes. so many people do not believe that. So true. They don't believe that. That's powerful, um, Sean. Thank you very much. You touched on uh, repentance. Um, we got to know our worth, but we need to repent. What did that do for you? You went to confession. Was it before that or after that um, experience? I went to confession leading up to this retreat okay. with the priest that I'd met. Yes. He would come and do one-on-ones with me and, and kind of do a little bit of counseling with me prior to all of this. And then, of course, you're in a retreat. I went again. But mm -hmm. I remember at the beginning of my journey, I would, I hate to say this because I know some people would frown on it, but I would sit in the confessional for like an hour or more. And I feel bad because I'd come out and there'd be people waiting and I'd be like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> But I just needed to do that, you know, and maybe I, I didn't know enough back then. I probably should have booked a private appointment. <laughs> but at the beginning, I just needed to free myself yes. and keep freeing myself of all the stuff I've been through. And and I just want people to know that it, um, just to go at least um, monthly, at least mm. every two weeks and just to be able to free yourself from all the Yes. All the things you've been through, it's just so uplifting. And and that's Jesus sitting right there with you. It's so powerful. Um, the freedom, and it's so freeing to go to confession. People don't see that. They they assume, because it's a misconception, that this is a burden. Why would I need to confess to a priest? And who is he? It's not actually about the priest. <laughs> it's about no. your repentance. And and this is a, there's actually something uh, so healing about, uh, yeah, verbally saying out loud uh, what you are guilty of, what your sins, um, and is something so powerful about it and it's transforming. And it's like another conversion every single time. You feel like a new creation. Um, 
And really, until people appreciate what, what it is, it, it's very hard You trying to let people experience it for the first time. Um, but yeah, psychologically, uh, just to tell someone else about what you've gone through, but then to hear those words of absolution, it's a game changer. And if people understood that, we'll be frequently going to confession more often. Um, what a gift we have. We, we just don't appreciate it as Catholics do. No, we definitely don't. And it is, it is just, you know, in all honesty, I didn't pay anybody big bucks, any <laughs> big counselors or anything. I'm not against that. I'm not mm. against it or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. On, on, on honesty, all I did to get a lot of my healing was I sat in a normal chair in my house, a normal recliner, and I talked to God from my heart, Amen. you know, and I told him everything. I was honest and open with him. It led me to confession more often. It led me to more prayer, but it was through that. It was through that one-on-one -on -one with Jesus, alone with me, opening up and revealing everything inside that I had hidden that is what gave me so much healing, so much healing, because I was no longer holding on to this ball and chain. You know, I was now being honest with him. And I still to this day, obviously, I still to this day tell him when I have fears or, you know, when I'm scared or when, when you know, everything. I tell him everything and I ask him to help me, you know, with everything, every emotion that I have mm. that I know I need in check. I go to him. Amen. You know, you always need Jesus. Every day up until the day we die, we, we always need to turn to him. He's our father. So good. Um, we have a connection there, Shauna. Um, uh, you talked about a retired priest that was a key to, to your whole uh, uh, conversion there. Same with me. Uh, it was If it wasn't for this retired priest friend of mine, Father Chris, I would not have had uh, that, that person to talk to um, and turn to when I came back to, to God. And uh, I just want to, just a, a little point here to point out, you know, any, any priests out there who are retired, uh, uh, you know, you don't, uh, you're more valuable <laughs> in a sense when you're, you're available <laughs> and, and you can have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people in need. It is life-changing. So I want to thank our priests, especially those, those who are in retirement. Um, I don't like that word because you're not really retired <laughs> you're you're sort of um no you're uh, not but more active technically yes yeah, <laughs> away from their sort of your normal duties but thank you to all the priests and and maybe even a, a point out to any priest who are so busy now administration wise with 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 uh parishes and, and whatever jobs that they've got to run and all the paperwork they've got to deal with it's just uh, crazy but but the power of that one-on-one -on -one and and if 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 any priests are watching and listening um you, the power you have um, in changing people's lives, if you can you know, understand that, um, thank you. Thank you for, for being a priest, but, but, but also uh, we need you uh, uh, as well today more than ever. So please, uh, um, we're praying for, for all our priests as well um, and, and encourage anyone to, to need advice. Go to a priest, um, anyone, and, and get some advice. Well, tell us your life, how it changed after the, the adoration. Um, the, I imagine you, you had a, the blessing. What did you do after that? You're a new creation, uh, mid-20s. Tell us, uh, what was life like after that? Well, to be honest with you, we didn't talk about it today, but I had some spiritual warfare I was dealing with as well. We're not going to okay. obviously have time to get into that today, but I still, you know, I had to openly always uh, 
open up a phone line, open up a phone mm-hmm. line to people, make good friends, uh, make people who are friends with people that have the, a prayer life. Uh, that's the sort of thing I did. I, I would call people to pray with me. I would call people when I needed extra help. You know, you just don't come out of an experience like that and you're all fine and dandy. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did know God was real and I did know that he loved me and I was getting set on the right path, but I still needed to grow and I still needed to get stronger and I still needed to grow in different fruits of the spirit and virtues and stuff. So it was always, it's always a walk. We're always walking in that way. So reach, make good friends, um, be around positive people. And sadly, I had to let go of a lot of negative relationships in my life that that were leading me down or could lead me down a dark path. And it doesn't mean that those people are, you're any better than those people. I want you to know you're not, you know, mm-hmm. it's just everyone's on a different set journey and different time. And some people take longer than others to change or to get help. So keep praying for those people in your life. But you do need to turn your life around and make different choices at times as well. I had to get rid of a lot of music that was bad in my home, go through a lot of things like that, throwing things out and just a lot of different changes and it's always a it's I always think of it as it's a long, windy road, you know, a long, narrow path. And it always will be this long, narrow path that we're walking down and learning and growing in in our lives each and every day. Praise. Yeah, so true. And that's the reality. Uh, you know, we have this false sense that we want to, as Catholics, uh, convert the world. And we want everyone to become Catholic and, and think, OK, the end game is to convert everyone. They'll become Catholic and job done. That's not the end. That's actually only the beginning. <laughs> um, now that you, dis- disco- you discover your faith, yes. now it's the battle, the spiritual warfare, the day-to-day yes. grind, the, yeah. the, all of that. Um, and we have to live that through moment to moment. And Oh, wow. Uh, can you talk about then, um, we only got here, wow, six minutes here. Um, uh, like, did, you, did you have any other children? Uh, did you marry again? Uh, tell us about just that. And then I want to talk about, uh, yeah, your reflections that you've done as well. I ended up eventually, once I changed my life and got my life back on, on a normal path, you know, I was starting to make better choices. That's when I met my husband I have now. Yes. I've been married for almost 15 years. I have another son, so I have two children. Praise God. I, um, my husband came from uh, two parents that were married, never divorced, you know, a pretty, you know, pretty mm. decent family life. And like I said, like once you start to make different choices in your life, you start to change, you'll attract what you are. So so I sort of started to attract somebody that was headed down the right path. Um, Yeah. So, so yes, I am married uh, right now as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Now, when, when did it get to the point where you decided, okay, I need to share my story? Um, Because it took a while. You, you, you kept it to yourself. You, you, You were dealing obviously with this, when did you go public, I guess, with, with your story? Oh, I guess after I ended up, um, I ended up going on a Rachel's Vineyard retreat eventually. And then, um, and then I found that even when I went there, like some of the people there were saying that, uh, they share their story and stuff. And I was like, "Eh, no, I, uh, I'm just here to get healed. And I told them I'm going home. There's no way I'm going to tell anybody any of this stuff. But eventually, once I got home, God had a different plan for me. 
I started to get uh, feelings of um, sorrow for women who have had abortions. Then mm-hmm. I started getting sorrowful for the aborted babies. And then I, um, one day I sat down and I said, okay, you know, eventually just sat down and said, okay, God, if you want me to do this, you got to, how do I write all this stuff in like a short amount of time in a testimony? Like, how do I convert, put this all on paper? And I sat there and my pen flew for 45 minutes and I had a testimony outline. And then now it was like, how do, what do I do now? And, and then I just went through walking, taking a step out and seeing, you know, what happened. And then another door would open going in that door, then another door would open. And eventually I, um, a a bulk of my speaking is done right in high schools. And Mm. I have to admit, I love it. I love being around the teenagers. Uh, A lot of my pain in my life was from those years. Mm -hmm. So I really can relate to, to those kids and, and they know I can because I live that stuff. A lot of them are living, right? So they know that what I'm telling them, they can understand and relate to. And I have a lot of kids come up to me after and, and ask me, like, how do I get off these addictions? Or, you know, this is going on. And the things they write on the paper back to me, it's just amazing how they open up. Yeah, wow. They just need someone to, to listen to them that can understand them. And, you know, I, I, but that's kind of where God's plan to me. Sadly, obviously I'm not doing that right now because of uh, the restrictions and stuff, but that's where a bulk of my, my heart is, is, is in those teenagers. Wow. And you're seeing, uh, you just touched, you answered one of my, my questions, uh, the impact it's having uh, just by sharing and opening up your life story and the hope it gives to young people, they are coming up to you and sharing and opening up to you. Um, which means are they are they bottling it up themselves? So uh, how important is it for for teenagers, anyone, um, to have an opportunity to talk to somebody um, about what they're going through? And yeah, how prelevant is it? Are we talking about um, how common are you finding uh, addiction oh, today? Man. Is it you know how common are we talking about? It's I would say oh. It's very common. Wow. It's very common. And sadly, I hate to say it, but what I've lived back in the time when I started to come out with my story, I was kind of wondering, is this too much? Like, I was even yeah. hesitant on sharing my story because I thought it was too much. Mm. Like, I'm going to look like this fool. I shouldn't tell people this. Mm. And it's like, now it's like, I see now why God wanted me to do it because this is not uncommon. I'm, I hate to say that, but yeah. what I lived is sadly in a lot of people's homes right now is is it's happening you know it's not anything new and it breaks my heart to think that this is happening like we can't do like we can pray and and do what i'm doing but i can't do much more you know my hands are tied um my heart aches for kids that are in uh homes that are dysfunctional or, or where they're going through trauma and a lot of mental abuse it it kills me inside but Mm. i can't i can't take them out of those homes and you know i I pray every day for kids who are suffering and ask god to heal them but yeah it's really uh it's really weighs heavy on my heart wow um a lot to pray for thank you for what you're doing Uh, i do want to highlight in in the in your brand new book here um What's different to the first version, you've added uh, a bunch of reflections in the second half of this book. 
Um, can you tell us uh, where these came from? So is it, did you um, write these over the years and, and you just sort of save them and, and compile them? How did this begin, these, these reflections and prayers? Well, eventually, I, well, I just ended up uh, sitting down in my prayer time and I started to write these short little devotionals and and now it's just become something I, I keep doing. I, I just sit down and I ask the Holy Spirit to help me and to guide my words. And and that's kind of what comes out. And I put them up on my website as well, uh, a lot of them. And I just hope that, you know, it, it speaks to certain people that need to hear that, yes. that can relate to that, those words. And... They're beautifully written, I have to say. Very, very accessible. Um, They're not too long, nice and short, punchy. You've got a Bible quote and just the themes, you know, can you turn your your cheek, helping the lost, confidence in God, rescue me, Lord. How It it just keeps going. He's waiting, seek peace. And you've got a little prayer at the end as well. It's beautiful. Um, And I thank you for doing this because I think this is going to have a big impact on people. The fact that you've got them all together here. and I have seen firsthand, you do post uh, within the Perusia world, and i like to do a shout out there. Those who have not yet signed up to this brand new alternative, a social media alternative, um, people are, uh, you know, are moving more and more away from, he's streaming on Facebook right now, but, uh, you know, uh, we, we need a place where Catholics can freely uh, express themselves and share and connect and pray for each other. Come over to Perusia world. Um, it's a platform that's for for all Catholics around the world, and and uh, Sean is in there as well, and you can uh, see her and 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 the blog post she, she shares. It's beautiful. Um, Sean, final. We're, we're out of time, but uh, just a final message. Uh, if I can ask you, there's two two people I want you to speak to here: the teenager right now, or, or anyone in addiction right now, suffering, or or caught up in addiction, and can't seem to get out of it: alcohol, drugs whatever else, any other addictions, they come in so many forms now. Can you talk to them? And then after that, I do want to talk parents. You're a parent, I'm a parent, and the importance of how we love our children and, the, and, and what we do uh, in, in bringing up an environment for our children to know that they are loved. Um, can I ask that? <laughs> a message to those suffering right now. Oh, basic. I think that's a hard one to just narrow down and I briefly, but... <laughs> I think if you are a, a teenager suffering, I, I just want you to know that to not keep that inside and, and to not let it eat at you and fester mm-hmm. and fester inside you and to reach out to somebody and share share that with, with them. If you can't share it with your parents because of your home situation, maybe you have like a, a good teacher at school or a, a pastor in your, in your school or pastor at your church. Um, reach out to them and share share what your pain and your hurt and you know if I if I could say I regret something you know I really regret that I didn't talk to anybody mm. you know I regret that I didn't talk to anybody because I was afraid and I made a lot of ugly choices because of that and I want you to know that you're not alone and that you should never be embarrassed of yourself mm. and that God loves you and no matter what you've done, you can change your life. You can turn your life around. Yes. But it starts with you wanting to change. And for any parents out there that are listening that, I just want you to know that the actions you have in your family home, 
do reflect and, and hurt your kids if it's if they're toxic. Your kids are watching and listening, even though you don't realize that they're hearing and it hurts them. It hurts them when you fight. It hurts them every time they hear something negative about themselves or each or even your parents bickering back and forth and cutting you down each other. You're hurting your children. And don't be don't like be embarrassed by what you're doing or ashamed of yourself either. We we're all people. We we all fall. We're all broken. But maybe you can start to pick up maybe going to counseling as a family or, you know, going to your pastor and asking him to help or, you know, just start praying together or even praying that your family can get closer. Mm. Start off by yourself praying as a mother or your father. Start off by yourself praying for your family and, and just see what God can do when you start to open up your heart to him and let him in. You'll be amazed what he will do. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you very much. I want to thank you, Shauna, for joining us today. We are out of time. Your website, just finally, if, if people want to um, uh, see more about what you're doing, what, what is that website? Um, ShaunaArnoldBlog.wordpress.com Okay. We'll make sure we get the links up. Um, and also the book is now available around the world. Uh, here we go. A New Heart, My Story of Abortion, Addiction and Conversion. This is, it's real. It's raw. It's life-changing. It it's going to have a huge impact. Please grab a copy. It's it's available both in a paperback and um, digitally, so as an ebook. So please go to our website right there on the screen. You see it. Uh, go to perusiamedia.com, then click on store, and then you'll see one of the new items there is a new heart, a book by Shauna Arnold. We just had a great privilege there to share with Shauna. Th- thank you again, Shauna. Um, we're praying for you. Please pray for us and, and I'm praying for this book to have a, a big impact uh, around the world. May God um, spread this uh, to those in need uh, and he knows who, who are in most need. Th- thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me on your program. I appreciate that. Praise God. Thank you. Um, that's another podcast. I'm Shabal Rashi, your host. We are out of time. The Rosary is coming up next on the, on the Voice of Charity Network. And all these podcasts, as normal, are on our website. Go to perusiamedia.com and you'll see all the past shows. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us at Perusia World. That's another show. Thank you again and God bless.